we take a step back from the typical definition of what anxiety is, again, the fear or the worry about what has yet to happen and see it as a protected force, but a misguided force, then maybe it offers us an opportunity to work with it instead of fight against it. So then we can move closer into our intuition and notice the differences and notice what further truth we can acquire. Welcome to The Shift, where we search for ways to do better by thinking better. Whether you're going through a major life change, looking to deepen your understanding of yourself, or hoping to improve your relationships with others, The Shift is here for you. We're your hosts, Isla and Yashar, an endlessly curious sister and brother team. As certified brain-based executive coaches with backgrounds in medicine and management, we combine the neurosciences, performance psychology, strategic planning methodology, and mindfulness techniques to empower your transformation from the inside out. Join us in conversation as we explore better ways to show up for ourselves and each other. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of The Shift. Today, we're going to tackle a question we get asked very often by our clients, which is, is it my anxiety or is it my intuition? Now, what does that look like? So sometimes it's the question of, should I do this? Am I supposed to push myself forward into trying this thing, even though it's outside my comfort zone? Or should I step away and not do it because my intuition is telling me I shouldn't? Or really determining how to be able to discern your clear yes from your clear no. Usually when these questions are approached, a lot of it has to do with embodiment. It's a lot of it has to do with your connection to your body and the symptoms or sensations you feel in your body telling you clearly, this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. However, if you're like most of us, I am one of those people who suffers from anxiety. It's sometimes hard for me to discern which is what. And so that's really what we want to tackle in today's episode. Before we dive deep into the episode, though, Ayla, let's take a moment to define what these terms really mean. Let's define what anxiety means and let's define what intuition means so that there can be some context for this conversation. Does that sound okay with you? I think that's a great idea. Okay. I'm going to start with anxiety because there's a couple of ways you can define it. There's like the typical way where you define anxiety as a thought or a fear or a rumination about a future event. There's a worry about something that's going to happen that has not yet happened. I think that's a very accessible definition of anxiety, and a lot of people understand that. I also like to describe anxiety as a protective force, but a misguided one. So I think anxiety can actually be seen as your friend. Anxiety can be seen as something that is trying to help you, but just like someone without all the information, they're only giving you their bias towards what's going on and not really the full truth of what is possible or what is happening around you. A lot of times these patterns are learned through our childhood and our upbringing and our surroundings. So it's almost unconscious at this point because they've been patterned so deeply and for so many years. But if we take a step back from the typical definition of what anxiety is, again, the fear or the worry about what has yet to happen and see it as a protected force, but a misguided force, then maybe it offers us an opportunity to work with it instead of fight against it. So then we can move closer into our intuition and notice the differences and notice what further truth we can acquire when seeing it this way, as opposed to something that we just need to squash and get out of the way. 
And so I guess on the flip side, what is intuition is a deep knowing. It's an inner knowing. It may come with a bodily response or sensation or symptom, but actually in its true strength, it's not activated. It doesn't come with judgment or, you know, all these characteristics of anxiety you actually laid out. Our intuition doesn't come so activated and charged. It's a deep knowing. Yes, it can have a bodily sensation like in your gut or in your heart, depending how you receive information from your inner knowing. But the key point here and the differentiating note is the activation point. However, I'm saying this however, because this is critical. And this is, I think, where people are like, okay, well, I'm activated, so it must be my anxiety. The problem is most of these imprints within our systems, within our cells, within our neural pathways have been hijacked a little bit, either living with chronic stress, big T or small T traumas. Some of it has been rewired. So the codes aren't matching up. The other reality is a lot of us, the majority of us, unfortunately, were brought up in ways within our family and cultural context to the larger scope within our school systems and the society at large where we weren't fed tools that nourish our connection with our intuition. Actually, we were mostly fed ways in which we self-abandon to receive love. And I, when I say this, I want to take a moment because I want to start with this concept and understanding we are all social creatures. We are meant to connect. Our desire to be liked and loved is probably the most natural instinct we have. And so I don't want this like people pleasing and self-abandonment to feel like you have to do everything in isolation. It's not that. But it is to recognize that because naturally we want to be part of something greater than ourselves, if these connections aren't strong and our clear knowing of what is right for us and what is not, we will tend to self-abandon because we are seeking that validation. And so now when we're coming up with these concepts and asking you to choose your intuition and do these things, it's decades of unlearning, you know, it's decades of cellular memory and old narratives that are telling you, no, no, that's not safe. So this will be uncomfortable because you have more experience self-abandoning than you have in actually choosing yourself from a place of integrity and true intuition. So it is going to be hella difficult because you spent years doing it one way. And now we're asking you to do a mind shift and see how maybe there's another way that will serve you better. I think the the knowing is interesting because the knowing comes from experience and you can't know anything else unless you change your experience. Let's pause there for a second because in some ways the intuition is sometimes before the knowing, like the experiential knowing, it comes before that. Because if you think of your child, sometimes they are much more intuitive because they don't have the noise telling them otherwise. They know actually that is their intuition, you know? So it's before the experience there is an other type of knowing. You know what I'm trying to get to? Well, I, I, I hear what you're saying and I don't think it necessarily is different from what I'm trying to say. Maybe it supports okay. it in a different way because that child's experience is what they know. And unless that is changed through any sort of, again, as you said, big T or little T trauma or a shutting down of the knowing or dismantling of their, you know, of what they feel they know for themselves or the world around them, then that is simply what their experience is. And that's part of their knowing. And so what I'm interested in, in this conversation is you were saying how we have spent years self-abandoning. We have spent years of shutting this down. So the 
counter to that in my mind is then we have to produce a new knowing, produce a new experience, produce a new embodiment, or at least a new relationship with our sensations so that we develop a more thorough language of what is going on and differentiate between one or the other. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And like to go back to what you were doing at the beginning is about a little bit of a definition. I want to point out some of these sensations and symptoms you might feel. So when something happens or you have to make a decision, you might feel these things within your body. And this is when the question is whether it's a yes or a no might not be so clear if you can't determine if it's your anxiety speaking or your intuition. So one of those things is overwhelm, right? That sensation of overwhelm when something happens. Now in that moment of overwhelm, is this something you're supposed to push through, give extra tools for, build your capacity, or is it something that's telling you no? Another one is numbness, you know, kind of a disassociation of sorts. Let's say there's a lack of feeling safe, like you feel fear. You, something about this situation doesn't feel safe. You might feel forced, like someone's pushing you to do something that you didn't want to do. You know, sensations of tightness or tension or just a general feeling of not feeling ready to do that thing. All of these might be feeling in, in your body. And again, you might not be able to determine, does that mean yes or does that mean no? Is this again my anxiety or my intuition telling me to step away? And the other one that I see sometimes is kind of back to the numbness is a need to like check out, you know, eject yourself from the situation completely. Because sometimes when you haven't established trust within your body, you can have all these symptoms and sensations, but that doesn't necessarily tell you the answer that you're looking for. Do you find this with our clients, Yash? Yeah, I find it with our clients. I find it with myself. I think yeah. this is kind of what I was trying to say is that like, your knowing and your experiences, like they can get very jumbled and mumbled and we have to have different experiences or different language for the experience and a different point of contact. It's kind of like the age old question, is it anxiety or is it excitement? Like when we are anxious about something and we're excited about something, we can have a lot of parallel symptoms. We can have the butterflies in our stomach. We can, right. you know, sometimes have the sweaty palms. We can have the racing heart. You know, that could be the same thing when you're kissing someone you've never kissed before and you're really looking forward to kissing them. And <laughs> right. it could be you just got called upon in class and you have to stand up and and you know give a speech that you forgot to prepare for. Yeah. And so that is only the start of this conversation. And I know we're going to go into tools and talk about, you know, the differentiating factors and all that. But I just wanted to kind of make a real strong point that yes, and these exist. People feel these. I feel these. A lot of times they can be around anxiety, but a lot of times they don't have to be about anxiety or not choosing the thing. And so this is the part where we should kind of dive into then how do we differentiate and how do we build that new experience and that new language? Okay, great. So again, as someone, me personally, that suffers with a lot of anxiety, a lot of interactions will fill me with these sensations. Those sensations aren't giving me ample information to then make my decision. So what I have to do is step back and lean on our tools, which help me better discern. One of our major tools that we use is this concept of stretch versus strain. Now, I personally find it the greatest mind shift to ask myself, is this a stretch moment or a strain moment? What I mean by that is like when I am in that situation, I'm, sens I'm sensing all those things. So I kind of have to step back and say, hey, is this something that is a moment in which I am meant to show up? Is it a moment where I'm meant to stretch a little bit outside my comfort zone 
And yes, I'm nervous about it, but ultimately it will serve me and it's what I want to do. Or is this something that's going to create scar tissue? If it's scar tissue, I'm out. We're not here to do that. If it's a stretch moment, I have built enough tools in my toolbox and I have the capacity to show up in this moment. And so that question serves me well. Another question, and to be honest, I kind of use all of these in tandem because it helps me discern even better is so it was stretch versus strain. Now I ask the question, does it serve me? So if I'm in my stretch zone, does it serve me? Who is this really for? What is this really for? If I go a year from now, is this really what I have wanted to do? If I go tomorrow, you know, I look at it from multiple angles and ask the major question, does this serve me? What is it for? Who is it for? Is it aligned with the version of myself that I am building, blooming? That again helps me discern if it's a yes or a no. And last but definitely not least, and probably my most favorite line, and I actually wrote a poem about it, which I will link in the show notes, is that your medicine will never ask you to leave yourself. What does that mean? Is in these intersections of my mind, when I come to these questions of like, should I stay or should I go? Should I fight or should I leave? This is the reoccurring theme. What you are meant to do, what is for your greatest good and the best outcome for all will never ask you to self-abandon. It will never ask you to leave your integrity behind. So that to me is kind of like the final marker of how I decide my yes or my no. If it's questioning my self-worth, if it's questioning my integrity, if it's asking me to self-abandon in these ways, then it's a no. And that to me is the clearest response that when I'm seeking like to do the hard stuff, the hard stuff that is meant for me will never ask me to leave myself. These tools are really powerful. And what's interesting is I almost try them on in reverse. Mm. I'm fascinated with your line of your medicine will never ask you to leave yourself. And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about. But from the beginning of, you know, doing work together, we've always talked about integrity and showing up in integrity uh, for ourselves, of course, but also asking our clients to figure out what that looks like for themselves. And I was working with someone where I asked them actually to bring their anxiety into alignment with who they are trying to be. So taking that idea of, okay, if your anxiety is your friend and they're trying to protect you, then have the conversation with them in alignment with the best of who you are and see how you guys can come to an agreement, so to speak, on how to move forward with integrity, which comes to the question of like, does it serve me, right? Mm -hmm. So what am I doing this for? Who is this really for? Why is this of value? You know, the anxiety alone can't answer that question. You need integrity. You need alignment to be able to fully answer that question. Anxiety may bring up the red flags that you're, you know, thinking may happen and bring up points to converse around, but alignment and integrity is really what's going to be able to answer the question, does it serve me? And then I go into the stretch or strain, you know, depending on the reserves I have, the time I have, the resources I have, because someone like me will actually sometimes be excited by the idea of a strain. So I want to be excited by the idea of like push harder and go, 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 go. And, you know, whether it be in the gym, athletics, or even just learning something uh, or wanting to figure out something, you know, bless her. My wife is long tired talking about this one subject. I'm just getting warmed up. You know, like sometimes I just want to push and push and push and push and see how far we can take something. If I start with stretch versus strain, 
I get caught up in a, in a, in a mentality that sometimes actually doesn't serve me well. In fact, yeah. it's, it's a different form of self-abandonment where I think I have to give more of myself, not stop. And so I really like the medicine will never ask you to leave. Start with integrity. I know what my words are, what my compass are, what my best leader words are. Again, for anyone who doesn't is listening, it's in the show notes. It's a free uh, tool that we provide you a mini course that you can go through. So because I know those words and because I know what my compass looks like, I start there and then I move into, does this serve me? How in alignment can I bring the anxiety? How can I have it maybe inform, but not dictate the situation and then move into, do I have the resources? Can I put one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other to stretch into uh, maybe an uncomfortable place, but not into a place where I think I'm going to hurt myself or the people I love around me. I love that. And I love it because, you know, all of our tools, anything we bring up, anything you bring to us, it has to work for you. Like it has to work with your ecosystem, your rhythm. And that's also part of reestablishing that trust within yourself. It's like, you know what, those are great tools. I use them in this order. Those are great tools. I only use this one. You know, and I think that's, that's part of this. How do we, how do we build this trust back up? Part of this is exactly what you just did is knowing I'm going to try it this way because it aligns with me better. There's one critical thing that you did throughout your examples and that it's it, it really takes us to kind of the next right step in reestablishing trust with yourself. Part of this taking your power back is at every interval, it's a choice. Even if you go through all that whole thing and you end, okay, this is a stretch. It's actually a stretch. I'm meant to stretch. Even then it's a choice. Do I want to stretch today? Do I want to stretch tomorrow? Do I want to stretch all year? You might say, no, I just want to hang out in my comfort zone. And in all reality, that is also completely fine. We are in this hustle culture that tells us if we don't do more, 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 we are failing. But part of this medicine actually is sometimes you are not in a stretch season. You are in a season where your comfort, your peace, your calm, your joy is where you're supposed to stay and swim a little. And I think that is also integral to this conversation. We, you know, we're always like, quote unquote, in the work, but sometimes the work is not doing anything at all. And I think that's kind of like a new concept as well. Again, because most of the self-worth stuff and, you know, our value is all tied up in productivity and how much we do. And part of the unlearning is peeling that back and saying, I am worthy, full stop. Now, I have a choice here. Do I want to take it or do I not? And that in itself, I believe, is part of the self-regulation process, is part of the calming of this anxiety, releasing all this weight we have on our backs to say, it's all good. I'm going to stay right here for now. And that's a choice. That's right. Whether you do or you don't, it's a choice. What's powerful about what you said is you can go or you can stay. You can be in a season of comfort. You can be in a season of push. Both seasons can feel mismanaged and out of alignment if you're not attaching purpose and integrity and identity to it. There needs to be a sense of knowing again, to use that word, of why are you choosing what you're choosing? Mm-hmm. Choose it. You have to choose your choice. You there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those points that we could easily skip over. And someone like me, if I'm in a season of pushing and I hear you say, sit in your comfort zone, I can get into judgment again. 
right? Mm -hmm. And be like, oh, lazy one, just get up and do it, you know, or vice versa. If someone's in a season of pushing and I'm in a season of comfort, I self-judge and I self-doubt. And I say, oh my God, that other person is crushing it. And here I am sitting on the couch. Nothing will ever feel right. We will always see the grass being greener on the other side, unless we choose alignment, integrity, and purpose through the actions that we take. And in that decision to look for that purpose, integrity, alignment, that's where we start to establish the trust again. That's where we start to establish our ability to decipher, is anxiety leading or is my intuition leading? Is society telling me what I need to do or am I telling me what I need to be doing? Am I only listening to my old narratives or am I constructing new narratives? Am I only influenced by my partner or my friends or social media? Or am I aware that those people and those tools influence me, but they don't have to be the final say of what I decide to do? I think that's great. Let's leave you with the next right step. The question today we brought to you is, is it your anxiety or is it your intuition? How do you discern between your clear yes and your clear no? especially in times where you can't trust your bodily responses because you can't discern what they're actually trying to say to you. We definitely offered the tools of stretch versus strain, the question of does this serve me and the, and the critical foundational point, which your medicine will never ask you to leave yourself. But if you do have a history of self-abandonment and you are trying to reestablish trust within yourself There are some additional tools or baby steps, but beautiful ones that you can take. Number one is honoring your needs. Just like Yasha just said, like whatever it is you need, choose it. Choose your choice. It might be right. It might be wrong. It actually doesn't matter in certain aspects. What What is most important is that you are choosing your choice. So honoring those needs, you know, I wrote again, I'm, I'm really calling out all these things I write. So I might give you a lot of show notes today, but this concept of even when I'm wrong, I'm right. Because that was the journey for me in reestablishing and honoring my needs is to stop the second guessing. So part of this establishing trust within yourself is honoring your needs and just readjusting as you might need to, but honoring them as you go. Not being so fixated if it's a right or wrong choice, but it's the choice you are currently choosing. The next thing is probably a very popular topic and maybe a little misunderstood, so we might have to do a podcast on it later, is the concept of setting boundaries. Getting clear on how you thrive and being able to communicate that to those that you are interacting with and honoring those boundaries. And last but definitely not least, and in this case, also my favorite, is I believe the most critical way to reestablish trust within yourself is to rediscover joy, peace, calm, is to remind your body what it feels like and looks like to be in flow and alignment. Now, it's not going to be 100% of the time. It might be 1% of the time. But slowly building those muscles that you are able to discover those things within an ecosystem that is aligned will not only reduce the amount of anxiety, but will strengthen that inner knowing and that inner strength that is coming from your intuition. Thank you for listening, friends. What shifted for you during this episode? We'd love to hear your insights. Write us with any questions, commentary, or episode ideas at theshift at mindshiftleadership.com. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, we would deeply appreciate a like and subscribe. The Shift is brought to you by MindShift Leadership, a heart-centered, evidence-based, mindset-powered leadership company, empowering you with the training to prioritize mental health, inclusion, and performance optimization.